Broadcasting from the ESPN Radio Studios in Tallahassee, Florida. And in partnership with the JoeBucksFan.com podcasting network. This is the Joe Bolts Fan Podcast with Tom Lang. And then there were handshakes. Handshakes all around. This is the Joe Bolts Fan Podcast, part of the JoeBucksFan.com podcasting network, brought to you all postseason long by our good friends at Bill Curry Ford, who support Hockey Talk in Tampa Bay. Four down, 12 to go. There's still a long way to go. Something about yesterday's result in the postgame press conferences. I saw a lot of relief. I saw a lot of national pundits talking about how, well, Tampa Bay has vindicated themselves for a 62-win season that was followed by zero in the postseason. They were swept out by this very Columbus Blue Jackets. Yada, yada, yada. That's all we heard all series long. And then the national media wanted to say afterwards, see, they've righted the wrong. I disagree. We have righted a little bit of the wrong, but we've got a long way to go. 12 more wins, everybody. Can we put them together? There was some good. There was some bad. There was some awful in this series. But if you're a results person and you just care about the results and not the process, you are elated today that we did just enough to get by in five games. A little bit of margin for error. If you're a process person, you'd say, "Eh, more good than bad. Still a lot of bad. Let's see if we can put it together in the next round. I agree on all fronts. I agree with all of you. It's hard to win playoff series. It's hard to win a cup. So you have to get a little bit lucky along the way. You have to play you know, your C game sometimes and find a way to win. Coach Tortorella, who had a 52-second press conference yesterday and said, I'm not into moral victories. Y'all stay safe. Peace. And he got up from the podium. He used to say that about our own Tampa Bay Lightning on the way to our Cup in 2004. Find a way. This team did. This team did. We didn't play our best in Game 4 and Game 5, but we found a way to win. We move on to the next round, and the likely opponent is Boston, but you never know. A Montreal rally from 3-1 down. The series is now going to a Game 6, and and maybe it's the Habs. Can the Washington Capitals do what only a few teams in NHL history have done before in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Come back from a 3-0 deficit to win a series? These are flies in the ointment, but we shall see. The likelihood is that it will be Boston because, of course, it has to be Boston. It always is Boston. A word from Bill Curry Ford before we get underway today. Bill Curry Ford General Manager Sean Sullivan will help you personally by phone, email, or in person at the giant Bill Curry Ford showroom on Dale Mabry Highway, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. That's the kind of service you get from Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's first family of Ford and owned by the Curry family for the past 60 years. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and you'll see the incredible 0% financing offers for 72 months and the signature nationwide lifetime warranty on new and used vehicles. Go see Sean Sullivan at Bill Curry Ford. Tell him the Joe Bolts fan podcast is your favorite and you like winning clubs. Maybe the Buccaneers are going to win this year, but I know what Tampa does. They win a lot of games. So I want to start with the positive today instead of going through the negative of the last two games because we just won a series. So it would be hard for me to nitpick this group after winning four out of five games, even if the margin was razor thin and even if holding us to our own standard, uh, we didn't live up to it consistently. Let's start with a positive of what we've learned from last postseason to this postseason, and that is full marks to the coaching staff for creating a different philosophy, for creating a different style of play 
that works underneath that philosophy and executing on those things and teaching the players to stick to said philosophy and style to play, style of play. This is something that we touched on last week after the five overtime game, which was you have ample time, two and a half games worth of time in order to break your habits, in order to trade the new ones for the old. And we didn't. And I think in large part, you saw that over the five games, Tampa played its new style and new philosophy of heavy hockey, shrinking the gaps, relentless forechecking when they were getting on the puck, D-to-D passing at the blue line, making a more simple play, making a play towards the net rather than looking for a tic-tac-toe goal. I think in large part they've accepted that this is the way that we have to win. This is the way that will create the most consistent chance for us to win a cup. That's not easy to do, and it's really not easy to do if you are the same coaching staff year over year. If there's a different voice in the room, a new philosophy sounds, well, logical. If I've got a teacher who is very good at working on the board and showing me how the math problem works, and then all of a sudden they can get to me through auditory means, through something else than going to the chalkboard. They can look me in the eye and give me an analogy instead of just putting the raw process down for me to follow and copy and paste. That is a gifted teacher. And John Cooper's stock is rising in that regard. I'm very critical of John Cooper, and I will be today. But the positive for the now is that the same voice was able to teach two different ways of going about winning hockey games, and the same voice was able to successfully implement those strategies, implement those philosophies, and get the results. It's the mark of a good coach. There are a lot of times across all sports where you can see it as a fan and it pisses you off that you're not putting your players in the best position to succeed. doesn't mean that you are as knowledgeable in that given sport as a coach. But if Lovey Smith isn't using Darrell Rivas in man coverage, he's playing him in zone, you're wasting Darrell Rivas' talent. And it's, it's annoying as heck. You've got to build your team around your strengths. And you got to capitalize on those strengths by putting players in position to succeed and just, you know, let the numbers bear it out. John Tortorella is excellent at what he does. Hats off to the Columbus Blue Jackets. In some ways, they're better at what they do than the Lightning are at what we do. It's just we're more talented than they are. We could clean up a lot of our mistakes. They know that they have to play a certain way to win, and that's their only chance. We can play multiple ways, but we're choosing the harder path. And it's going to be put to the test against Boston. But this is a day, yesterday was a night for the coaching staff for this Tampa Bay Lightning to take their own victory lap and say, okay, we did it. Now, what's next? That's where the negative comes in, and I'll talk about that in segment two today. Braden Point is the number one star of the series. I'm not going to do three stars for the series because Braden Point is it's just it. He's got 10 points in the eight games since the tournament began. He's got the game-winning goal. He's in on all the important goals. He's on the ice, it seems, for so many key moments. And he's the guy that can flip possession from one end of the ice to the other. And that's what I love about him so much. He did it a couple times in Game 5 where you know, he makes a guy miss on a zone exit, but then he carries it to the blue line of the opposition, dumps it in, and now we're cycling. Not a lot of players can do that. Typically, you love a defenseman who can carry it from goal line to goal line, right? Victor Hedman's really good at that. Danny Boyle was excellent at changing possession and changing momentum. Braden Point has the hallmarks of a good defenseman in transition. 
He backchecks like Bergeron from Boston, and he finishes like McDavid from Edmonton. Is he as talented in one area as any of those guys? I don't know. But he's got B-plus in all categories, and that's what makes him our MVP in this series. If you had a line that was an MVP line in the series, we all know which one it is. Yanni Gord in the middle, and he's flanked by Blake Coleman and Barclay Goudreau. And Blake Coleman has scored a goal, folks, and it was a big one. He scored a goal in a Tampa Bay Lightning uniform. It was a nutmeg job on Wierenski. Corpusallo couldn't pick it up. We're up two to nothing in a heartbeat. Blake Coleman has one of the most important assists in this series when he hits Goodrow across the crease very early on in a period, and then he puts us up two to nothing yesterday. That line with Yanni Gore in the middle wreaked havoc on Columbus. They were the most Columbus-like line on our team. Started periods and set the tone. A new challenge, a bigger challenge forthcoming if it is going to be in the form of the Boston Bruins. But there is one thing to give more credit to this coaching staff than the national media will. There's one thing that I'm seeing co-opted in today's discussions on NHL Network, on NBC Sports Network. Roll your eyes, I know. I think everybody was watching Fox Sports Sun if you could. Watch Rick Peckham's final call. We'll also talk about him a little bit later. But there is this narrative that it's because of acquisitions like Blake Coleman and Barclay Goodrow that Tampa is in the position it's in. That is discrediting what this coaching staff has done because if you paid attention to the team this season, you saw that by the time we got to New Year's, the heavy hockey approach, Cooper 2.0, had already taken full effect, and it was before we got Coleman, before we got Goudreau. It was with Verhage, it was with Stevens. Stamkos was still in the lineup. But we were playing that heavy brand. Maroon was drawing in on, on upper lines, uh, certainly at least third line. Seti P. All of these guys were pressuring the puck, and that was before the acquisitions are made. Did they help us? Yes. But did Cooper get it right before these guys came on board? Yes. And that's an important distinction to make, especially for me because I like to rip Coop, and I'm going to a little bit. There's more good than bad to talk about right now. But there is some concern moving forward. I'll talk about Rick Peckham here before we go to break. So his final call was yesterday. It was an overtime winner for the Lightning over John Tortorella's club, and just a lot of cool moments and symmetry to that. Um, if you haven't gone to Fox Sports Bolts on Twitter and seen the video of of the guys toasting Rick Peckham, um, it's it's not like ball your eyes out sad, but it's it's bittersweet and it's sad because Paul Kennedy is on the desk and, and what Paul's been through the last five six years and. And uh, Bobby the Chief Taylor, who was obviously the legendary teammate of Rick Peckham for almost 20 years, they're sending him off. And um, and it's just emotional because even though I can remember Lightning Hockey before Rick Peckham, like kind of barely, uh, Rick Peckham is the voice of the Tampa Bay Lightning. With all due respect to Dave Michigan, Rick Peckham's been there. And, and I could tell you from personal experience on a couple of occasions, um, I've had the chance to shake Rick Peckham's hand once as a young man who was nine years old, 10 years old, and uh, at a lightning Christmas party. You know, I've told you this before, if, if you listened all the way back to the beginning of this podcast, but my sister worked for the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, when their offices were still in St. Petersburg. She went to University of Tampa, caught on with the Bolts organization, and then worked in their HR department. This is under uh, the original ownership group, and then once Art Williams took over, she was gone in a flash because that guy was a clown. But Rick Peckham was there for all of it. 
including the opening of the Ice Palace. And um, I had the great fortune as a star-eyed, hockey-loving kid to see behind the scenes for so many things, be it like the food line uh, in the Thunderdome, which is just, it was the giant blue curtain that separated the rink and the stands from this other area because it's a massive building, and they'd have this buffet line. And I remember standing next to Brian Bradley or Michelle Petit or other, these other guys from the 90s, and then over at the Ice Palace, we got the chance to skate on the ice for the Christmas party. Terry Crisp was the coach for one of those. But Rick Peckham, his voice, the respect and the awe of, of that little me, um, it, it was, I just remember he was so tall, and he is tall, but he was so tall and looking up at him, and he says, how you doing, little fella? And he, and he got, came down to a knee, shook my hand, and he was just incredibly gracious. And then five years ago in the Stanley Cup Finals against Chicago, he was in the overflow press box. Talk about disrespect. He should have been in the McEwen press box. But he's in uh, the third level, upper corner, and he's in one of the overflow press box seats. And I saw him again. And I shook his hand and told him, just thank you for the countless memories as a Lightning fan. Some of your great calls, some of your pining for better officiating, uh, and just the witty moments and, and the professionalism. Rick Peckham is near and dear to my heart. It's going to be very difficult to get used to another voice in that booth, just like it was when when the Chief retired. But he means a lot to the organization, and on a personal note, I doubt he listens to this podcast, but um, Rick Peckham is a consummate gentleman and professional, and I'm really going to miss him as the voice of the Lightning. Uh, as the voice of the Joe Bolts fan podcast, uh, next segment, it's time to get a little critical about the process of things and, and where we're a little mentally weak and what needs to get better before the next round. But celebrate today. It is, in fact, a victory Thursday on the Joe Bolts Fan Podcast. We are one series down. We've got three more to go. Twelve more wins to win our second cup in team history. And what a tribute it would be to the folks like Rick Peckham, Bobby the Chief, and others to win our second cup in Rick's final season. We'll be right back in just a moment. Joe Bolts fan podcast listeners, don't forget that hockey tastes better with Big Storm Beer, Florida's best craft beer, and you can watch football all season long with JoeBucksFan.com at the Big Storm Brewery flagship tap room in Clearwater, 49th Street, just south of Olmerton Road. Get to BigStormBrewery.com. And Joe Bolts fan podcast listeners also, remember to subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Play, Get a free alert when it posts. The foreboding of the who. What lies in wait for our bolts? The next series, probably Boston. Would be pretty cool to see Montreal rally from 3-1 down against Philadelphia. That Cockney uh, five-minute boarding last night was garbage. But Montreal stayed the course, and they scored more goals, I think, in that game than they had maybe the entire tournament, it seems, because they don't really put too many in the back of the net, but good for Montreal to make a series out of it and at least give us some Friday night hockey to watch. Game six of the Flyers and Habs will be on Friday night at 7 o'clock. Um, the Boston Bruins found themselves. Uh, they won that in five games, but in game four, they're down multiple goals, late going, and then they just go Jesse Ventura minigun all over. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, and from there they did not look back. Pasternak is back, so Boston will be in full flight, save for the fact that Tuka Rask quit on them, and they have their second goaltender. But Halak's pretty good, so the, the opponent next round 
is going to be formidable no matter who Tampa Bay faces. Never overlook a playoff opponent. We learned that last year. And even though we win this series in five against Columbus, they taught us a lesson about the consistency necessary in order to win games. And to be sure, we escaped game four and game five with victories that on balance maybe we didn't deserve. Certainly in game five. Game four could be argued a little bit either way. But over the last six-plus periods that we played, so game four, game five, plus five minutes or so of overtime, I'd say we played maybe two good periods of hockey. Maybe. I might be rounding up. And why is that? Well, to change philosophies is a really tough thing. To change mental makeup might be tougher, and I think we're, we're chasing ghosts a little bit here. Consider the evidence at the foundation that, that Columbus had played much more hockey than we had before we got to Game 4 and Game 5. So even though we both play a five-overtime affair in the first game of this best of seven, Columbus had already played the max that they could in the qualifying round against Toronto, and several of those games went to overtime in their own right. So Columbus should be more tired than we should be. And yet, in Game 4 and Game 5, for the bulk of it, who had the jump, who had the legs, who had the conditioning? Columbus did. And that is jarring to me. Because if you go all the way back to Game 3 in this series, which took place on Saturday night, the second and third periods of that particular affair show that Tampa Bay had fresher legs and maybe we had worn down Columbus to a point of no return. We were dominant in periods two and three. And so maybe that's the launching point necessary. Even though the scoreboard read 3-2, we played outplayed them by leaps and bounds. Maybe that was the launching point necessary to get us where we want to go, and yet it wasn't. First and second period of game four were not good at all. Careless passes trying to exit the zone. Little half-effort backhand flips that are intercepted. I mean, it was forwards, it was defensemen, it was everybody. How many times did we try and exit the zone and fail? So the puck is on our stick. It's not like Columbus is taking the puck away. We have a chance to make a play, to get it out of the zone, and then eventually down into their zone, make a change and, and help ourselves. Instead, we're pinned on the ice, making boneheaded plays. Period three of game four, a, a much-needed response, and it was enough to win the hockey game. But then you follow it up with the first 10 minutes of game five where we look dominant. We're all over Columbus. We're up 2-0. We are rewarded, and, and honestly, it could have been three. We're rewarded for our hard work. And then for the next 40 to 45 minutes, we look like garbage Columbus will play desperate. They will respond. There's no doubt that you got to give credit to the other team as well. But when you're dominated for 45 minutes of a hockey game, there's something more at play. And it's not just that the officials were terrible at their job. I will grant you that the ticky-tack calls on Tampa Bay, the power plays awarded to Columbus, were beyond reason. They were. But... That cannot be, on its own, the reason that we looked worse than Columbus for more than two periods of hockey. We contributed to that, too. In the second period yesterday, as bad as the first and second were in Game 4, the second period in Game 5 was about as bad as we've looked in a long time. It was almost as though we were willing to turtle into our shell and let them have at it. And Vasilevsky, 
Ben Bishop before him have been left on islands in elimination games far too often. We have failed in this situation with this coaching staff far too often. See game six against the New York Rangers. Have a chance to close it out at home. We need the second opportunity. We do take advantage of it. But we came out flat. Looked like a bunch of jerks in game six in 2015. And then game six against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Eastern Conference Finals. Have a chance to close it out. Have it taken to us. Game six against the Washington Capitals in their building. If not for Andre Vasilevsky, we get blown out by five or six goals. And in the latter two cases against Pittsburgh and Washington, we don't close it out. We have a chance to step on their neck. We don't do it. And here's another case of not playing a 60-minute game when you have a chance to end a series. The culture of complacency in Tampa. And... I wanted to start with the positive because we did close the series out, and this coaching staff does deserve praise. There is no doubt in my mind that they've done great work this year, but have they done enough? And that's what the next couple of series is going to teach us. We need 12 more wins, but in order to even get to the cup finals, you're going to have to get through some really mentally tough teams. Here's the good news, though. I think... Columbus may be the best conditioned team that we're going to see all playoffs. Camp Tortorella was notorious for the level of strain and torture that it put Tampa Bay players through 15 years ago, and it's no different for Columbus. So while we didn't look as conditioned as the Blue Jackets in the last couple of games this series, we didn't have as much jump as they did. I think that that's who they are, a team of... Not misfits, because they've got some good players, but a team of lesser-thans who work their butt off to put themselves in position to win. And and you've got to give them credit for that. I don't know that Boston will be as well-conditioned. I don't think the Islanders will be, uh, if it's them that advance. Philly will be an interesting one, but you know they're, they're a little bit young, and in the experience department, you might be able to capitalize on an advantage there. The hope is that we start to see games called down the middle a little bit more, because I thought our power play got much better as the series went along. And you just hope that a 2 nothing lead in an elimination game isn't enough reason for us to pack it in. We've got to stop that nonsense. It's ridiculous. Worst thing that can happen to us is to get up big because either within that same game or in the next game, we're going to take a day off. And there's been too much of that. Coop said it after game two. I think we eased up a little bit. Enough, enough of the foot off the gas. How many times must a lesson be learned? Now, we are in a position of privilege because we just got through a series and we overcame some bad process to get the results in games four and five. But what do you do with it? Do you get better? Do your habits sharpen? Where last year and maybe a week ago, I would have said to you, I don't know that it's in this coaching staff, to see the changes that they've made philosophically and to see the buy-in from the players does give me hope that it is possible. So now comes the easy part. Kick your feet up, enjoy the remainder of round one of these series, and see who the next opponent is going to be. I can't wait to see the second round, and and by the time we do our next podcast on Thursday, August the 27th, we'll probably be a game or two deep in the series. Also, goodbye to the noon or 3 o'clock face-offs. I am tired of taping these damn things and having to watch them on tape delay, shut myself off from the world. We're doing top-of-the-hour sports centers here at ESPN Tallahassee. I've got to mute them and time them out to turn the sound back on here in our studios because I'm trying to insulate myself. I know a lot of you went through the same thing. 
Either you just said the hell with it, I'm going to look at the updates on my phone, or you taped it and tried to close yourself off from the world. Either way, it was frustrating. And hopefully now, especially if we face Boston, we're going to see a lot more in the way of primetime puck drops. I'm looking forward to that. There is no doubt. My thanks again to Bill Curry Ford for sponsoring Hockey Talk in Tampa Bay. I'm excited as you guys are in the JoeBucksFan.com website that uh, football, it looks to be full steam ahead for now. And even though we don't get preseason games, that first weekend against New Orleans is going to be pretty awesome. So if you come here for the hockey, stay for the football. If you've come for the football and you just wanted to dabble in the hockey, I do appreciate it either way. My name is Tom Lang, and I will sign off today. This is my tradition, usually after a playoff win, and in fact, it always is after a playoff win. But if you are new to the podcast, years ago in 2011, Tampa Bay was down 3-1 to to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and all seemed to be lost. We won game five of that series to push it to 3-2. to And in talking to my buddy on the Music Choice channel on my cable came the song uh, L.A. Woman by The Doors. And when we won game six, I decided to play L.A. Woman by choice. I went to YouTube.com, patched it through, played it because hockey fans are superstitious. We win game seven, and then we sweep Washington in the next round. So from that point on, L.A. Woman was my song. Anytime the Bulls win. So for today, I will sign us off with a little bit of The Doors and hopefully we've got a lot more of this song in our future. If you have any traditions that you love for playoff hockey, please feel free to post in the comments section underneath this splash page on JoeBucksFan.com or toss it in a review. Either way, I really appreciate you listening to this podcast. I enjoy doing it, and I look forward to breaking down the next round. We will talk to you next week on the Joe Bolts Fan Podcast presented by Bill Curry Ford.